RadioInfluence.com. We are back for another edition of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. That is Daniel Galvan. We're here to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. We got our first UFC pay-per-view of 2023, which I'm going to bring up a question to Daniel later on the show about, well, there may be a little down in viewership for this one because that price point uh, increasing. We'll talk about that interview Francis Ngannou gave yesterday to Ariel Hawani following what happened on Saturday night with Dana White confirming that uh, they are out of the Francis Ngannou business. I guess that's about the best way to put it. But, you know, Daniel, last week here on the show, we talked about like, man, not really much news in this UFC betting probe. Well, I guess apparently we got the MMA gods uh, warmed up and uh, we have the ESPN story at the end of last week with James Krause and his involvement with an online sports book. If you, you read that story, it's like, whew. Then on Tuesday, we learned that Jeff Molina, uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, uh, their, uh, during their meeting, the Deputy Attorney General uh, said that Jeff Molina has uh, been suspected of having substantial involvement in the betting scheme, uh, goes on to say that evidence has come to light that Molina is suspected of being involved in a substantial way with the gaming scheme currently under investigation related to James Krause. So uh, I'm going to say this. I think I think Dana White is deep throat. You ever see the movie All the President's Men? No. Oh, damn. So All the President's Men is a movie based on real events, which is uh, Watergate. And uh, the dude's name was Deep Throat that gave all the insider information to these journalists that uh, took down Richard Nixon. You know, they would meet him in like parking garages. So that was his name, Deep Throat, which didn't age well in the advent of pornography. But I believe Dana White is just out here in parking garages giving reporters scoops about this story to change the narrative of the fact that, you know, he, he slapped his wife twice and should not be the UFC uh, you know, uh, he should be suspended for a year. So I'm convinced that it was very predictable that we were going to get the next point of this story the following week. And not only did we get this, we also got a John Jones fight and we got a Francis Ngannou no longer a part of the UFC. The UFC are, I mean, I'm just kind of like, the UFC obviously didn't leak any information about this story. I'm just exaggerating. But it's one of those things where I'm just pointing out how quickly the narrative changes because there are just so much massive news all the time. So it's in jest. When I look at this story, man, I saw it last night and I don't know who tweeted it and I'm super sorry. But they kind of talked about how Jeff Molina was caught up in this thing and they felt bad for this fighter. And it's crazy to look at this guy and be like, damn, he's only 25 years old. He achieved his career goal of being in the UFC, I would assume, just getting started, had a fight in the books not that long ago, and it's looking like his career, and he may be in serious legal issues. Yeah, you know, one thing about this article that was written by Mark Ramondi over at ESPN.com, towards kind of the end of the article, um, Ramondi wrote this, Molina has described himself on Twitter as a MMA gambling degenerate and often posted screenshots of betting slips online. He wrote in a social media post on December 25th that suspension in Nevada stemmed from betting on UFC just like half the other roster does. Uh, and then it was, uh, I saw someone uh, sent me a, a, a text 
with a screenshot, the UFC roster watch Twitter, which kind of notes when uh, someone's been removed from the UFC roster. Jeff Molina removed from the UFC roster. Uh, not really a surprise here, but you know when I, I initially saw this on Twitter yesterday, the, the first thought that really came to my mind is, I wonder how deep this betting probe is going to go. Is it going to go deeper than what we know right now? Is it going to go deeper with maybe more people that have been involved with James Krause over the years? That, to me, is like my biggest question mark. I think it will because this isn't an Italian mafia situation where people won't talk, okay? People aren't scared that James Krause is going to show up with dead fish on their front door. People, including James, are going to talk and they're going to give as much information as they can so that the consequences for their actions aren't as bad as they could be from those prosecuting them. So I do think if there is more layers to this web, which when you look at what we're talking about here, a gambling community, there probably is more layers. In fact, you know, right after we recorded the podcast, you know, there was that ESPN article that came out and it kind of talked about how James Krause served as, as that like bookmaker, yeah, almost middleman. that middleman. So when you have a guy who's a middleman involved in the operation, clearly there is just so much more. And it's a really sad situation again. Uh, I just reiterate, Jeff Molina is 25 years old. You know, right now we don't know all the details, and I'm so interested in what they are, what was illegal, etc. But this should be when the UFC released their um, their guidelines on the fact that they didn't want fighters and coaches to uh, uh, be involved in gambling on mixed martial arts fights. We knew there was going to be an example made. I mean, this is just such a clear, a big example, and, and it's an example to all fighters in the UFC and really all mixed martial artists. And it's one of those things where you need to decide if you want to be a mixed martial arts fighter or if you want to be a gambling talent. There's no either or. It's just there's too much gray area and there's too much room for malfeasance, too much room for uh, doing something that's questionable. So... Guys need to stop betting on fights if you're an active mixed martial arts fighter or a coach. I think one of the things, and we've talked about this on the show, is I think there's an aspect from the UFC of things they probably need to change on their end. You know, And I think one of the things they've got to look at changing on their end is not having multiple fight camps in the same locker room. Because, you know, what, you know, if you happen to be in a state where sports betting is legal and all you got to do is have your phone, like Daniel, like, like let's say I'm the fighter you're, and you're coaching me. We're in a locker room. You look over and you go, ooh, something ain't right with that guy. What's going to stop you from going saying and going over to, you know, whatever your preferred sports book is, you know, laying, you know, laying a couple, a hundred, a couple of grand on, on that guy's opponent and then texting your buddies like, Hey man, I'm in the back, you know, fire X, Y, Z. He's not even throwing a leg kick. His punches are so slow. You know, you got to take advantage of your side. That to me is where I think the UFC has to look at, but it, it just goes with that point I made a second ago is, it's one of these things you wonder how deep will it go. And when I was driving uh, around yesterday, 
one of the thoughts that I kind of had, and I can't, I have to believe that I'm not the only person in, in this MMA podcast community that thinks this way. And, and I haven't, I haven't gone this deep yet. There's got to be someone that has started the deep dive on every glory fighter and go, who doesn't have a fight book right now? Yeah, because that's how this information is coming out. It's coming out based on actions that are happening and us reading the tea leaves and digging a little more and more. This story has had leaks throughout or information, not even leaks, but just information come out. But it's not coming out like a steady stream. It's coming out like little drops from the faucet. That's clear. That's slowly but surely kind of illustrating what this full picture is. So, yes, doing those deep dives is what people are going to be doing. Looking at Twitter likes, just it's very much like a mystery being solved. Because, again, as we are getting this picture, we still don't have the middle part. And now we know more things. Again, uh, James Krause was... You know, serving as the middleman for for bets being taken, um, the the odds shifted in the in the Minner fight. There's a discord. Uh, accounts are being taken over and bet with. So we are seeing things that are shady, things that are bad. The only question is, whenever we don't know the whole story, your imagination just runs wild. And when you have not only a coach but a guy and a fighter, Jeff Molina, who's now appears to be in very hot water like an egg getting boiled you your imagination continues to run wild so i mean this is a, a huge story it has major ramifications i can't even imagine another i mean just imagine how big of a deal it would be and, and really we go to this trope often uh this this idea of how big a deal would this be if it's another sport it's 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 a cliche but can you imagine if the odds swung that dramatically in, a, in an MLB game, an NBA game, an NFL game, a college basketball game, uh, two hours before tip-off? If something like that happened, holy moly, heads would roll. Heads would roll. So, yeah, I mean, the UFC is benefiting from the fact that we still aren't at the highest level in terms of popularity, right? Both for this and the Dana White story. I mean, just recently, I'm starting to give. I want to give ESPN some credit. They they're covering this story now. I saw they had an outside the lines deal, but uh, you know they they've slowly but surely started covering this story. But yeah, with this story, it's uh, it's the it's the most interesting story in mixed martial arts, the James Kraus betting scandal. Yeah, you know one of the things that you, you talked about that that story that appeared on ESPN.com last week, and the fact that Derek Minner actually did an interview, which I'm like. Bro, that ain't smart. Now, and I talked about this on Sunday's podcast. The thing that really shocked me the most about what Derek Minner said in this interview is that he's not being contacted by the FBI. I would be shocked if that's not the case. Uh, I want to put, uh, yeah. Okay, so I want to I want to find this article because there's a quote. Yeah, the, I, I found I found the article. Um, What's the title? What's the title called? It's called uh, Sources to Spin MMA Coach James Krause Worked with Offshore Sportsbook. There's a part where, and they're talking about it in this interview, I'm trying to find the exact quote in terms of, of, of Derek Minner when it's about the talking about his attorney. Okay. 
And there's the part where Derek Bitter's like hangs up the phone, but won't tell him who his attorney is. I'm like, Derek, you better have an attorney, bro. You're going to need it. Newsflash. You need an attorney. Yeah. Yeah. It, it uh, he, he definitely is. Cause this is a serious okay. situation. All right. I, I found I, it. I found it. Yeah. It says, ask whether Krauss might, be, this is a question, Derek Minner. And uh, David uh, Purdom, who wrote the article, says, asked whether Krauss might have been involved in offshore betting operations, Minner declined to comment. He said he would have his attorney answer further questions and ended the phone call. He did not provide the attorney's name, and no attorney from Minner reached out to ESPN. Minner did not respond to subsequent messages from ESPN. It kind of seems like he was caught off guard by this interview reading this article. Um, This is the point of the article that I just wanted to point out. That was just like, I was like, smells like bull poop. He told ESPN he had a minor knee injury before the fight that he injured further during the bout. A doctor later determined that he tore ligaments around his knee. There's no way, in my opinion, that his ligaments were torn during that fight. The idea that he had a minor injury heading into that fight when the line swung that much before the fight is BS in my opinion. <laughs> I go back to your line literally the week after this story comes out. It's like, hold on, you got any injury and you're just flinging leg kicks? No, yeah. Look, man, that is that is crazy, bro. That is crazy. Look, uh, I was doing some training and I had an injured rotator cuff for a few days. You think I was using my injured rotator cuff when I was doing stuff? Of course no. you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I put a bunch of money against myself. That was insane. I mean, to, to use your leg. I mean, just think of how much impact. I mean, just think of Anderson Silva kicking Chris Weidman and then his leg exploding. Yeah, I think, oh my goodness. I think I've mentioned this on the show, but if not, I, I'll mention it here now. The one the question I have about kind of, I, I'd almost kind of say my, maybe the an issue that combat sports faces at what point, because we know fighters are trying to get to fight night so they can put in that insurance claim, at what point does an insurance company come for insurance fraud saying, you were injured before this, and now you're just trying to get someone else to pay for it? Yeah. Yeah, that's You want to talk thing. about something that could drastically change our industry? That would change this industry if someone ever got charged with insurance fraud. Because yeah, of, of, of utilizing fight night insurance. I mean, you know, I mean, we'll talk about what Francis Gano had to say about that. But, like, to me, like, there there's multiple layers of the story. And it's, as I said, how deep will this go? You know, how, how like, it, and it go in, you know, look, it goes back to the line Dana White said. I, I want to say it was after UFC 282. And he's like, you're going to federal effing prison. And that's the reality here. This isn't. This is, is not going to be state charges, and it may. And look, it may be tax evasion. Ultimately, they go down on. But the reality is that you know, and like I had somebody in Discord say to me, he "Goes, hey, if you were a promoter, would you try to book James Krause and Jeff Molina in a fight on, on a fight night car?" I go, "There is no promoter that's going to get in that business." No, then you're not going to find your betting lines on on uh, on the sports books. Uh, yeah, there's there's no promoter that's touching that with the ten foot pole, man. I mean, yeah, yeah crazy story. But you know, least, oh, go ahead. I was going to say at least nothing other nothing else crazy happened this week. 
Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, I mean, just a normal Saturday night, you know, fights over. I turn over to the NFL because, you know, hey, man, fights are over. Then uh, I just pop on Twitter. I'm like, oh, 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 we, we've got a little breaking news here. And, you know, and I tweeted about this on Saturday night. I said, we've got Dana White's version of the story. I want to hear Francis Ngannou's side of the story because typically like a cliche is there's person A's got their side. Person B's got their side. And probably the truth is somewhere in the middle. And that's why I said I wanted to hear from Francis Ngannou. We heard from Francis Ngannou yesterday on Air Hawani show. And, you know, the first thing in my notes about this interview that I have is where Francis goes and, and talking about Dana White's version of the story. The U- and he says the UFC wants to control the narrative, which is exactly true. That The UFC has always been that way um you know some of the things that i've got written down here of you know i mean if you want to go watch two hour interview go watch two hour interview uh we'll give you the cliff notes version of it to to break this one down for you um you know it talks about uh this is from a, a quote he says in that contract i'm not free in that contract i'm not an independent contractor in that contract i have no rights i have no power i hand over all the power to you guys and i've seen in the past how you can utilize that power now to me the most interesting parts that that come out about this interview is what francis Ngannou was really trying to accomplish um and he talked about he says he goes and he said Look, I knew I was asking for things that I, I knew I would not get all of them. He goes, but I was hoping to get some of them. He said he asked for the right to have sponsorship, presumably in cage, health insurance, an advocate in board meetings that would represent the fighters. He was fairly certain that he would not get these things, but he wanted it to be known that's things he wanted. He said he requested all these things for all fighters and did not think it would happen but he felt it needed to be asked, which I look at as I say, kudos, Francis, kudos, Francis. You're, you're trying to, you're trying to help the fires of today, but also help the fires of tomorrow. But we both know the UFC is not going to go for that. The UFC does not want a fire sitting at the board as they're making decisions on, on how they're running their business. And, you know, the, the first part that I read there was how he asked about to have rights of sponsorship, presumably in cage. I'm watching last Saturday's UFC event. And you remember that line a couple years ago when they went to this uniform deal and Dana White talked about how he hated fighters looking like a, a, a NASCAR? Yeah. Have Are we not paying attention to the cage man anymore? Because, good Lord, that thing is a NASCAR. That is a car you see rolling around in a couple weeks in a Daytona 500 with sponsorship logos everywhere. I swear to God, it looked like a Van Gogh painting. I agree with you. It, it's crazy. But look at this. Look at how you bookended what you said to me. Dana White saying stupid things to form, to change the narrative, right? It started off with the quotes about him um, saying that Francis is, is looking to take easier fights for more money, which, you know what? Aren't we all? I'm looking to do easier things for more money. Uh, he's scared. And then bookended by the hypocritical comments about the NASCAR. Here's the thing. First and foremost, the UFC needs to do a better job if they want to change and mold the narrative of changing and molding the narrative. Because when you look at Dana's quotes, aside from his slap league lovers, no one believed what he was saying. That did not change the opinion of people. It was so 
clearly an attempt to change the narrative or shape the narrative that everyone called it out when they saw it. So advice to Dana and the UFC, if you want to shape the narrative, be a little more subtle, be a little more smart with it. Don't do like, like it just felt like a half-assed paper he turned in in high school, like with the basic tropes. So right off the, right off the start, the way they break it, it immediately gives all the sympathy in the world for Francis. But you look at this situation, and I I understand why the UFC didn't isn't in the Francis and Ganu business going forward, because while I love and respect what Francis is standing for, clearly he's asking for too much from the UFC when it comes to they are not going to budge. They're not going to give every fighter this health insurance. They're not going to. Uh, allow in-cage sponsors. It's going to affect their bottom line. It's a public company. And all these things that Francis advocated for are amazing, and I wish it happened. But the UFC isn't going to do that for one fighter. You know, we always talk about, Jason, when will there be a fighter's union? And little did we know we have a fighter's union, and it's just a one-person fighter's union, and it's just Francis Ngannou. Because he's basically acting as a one-person fighter's union, Asking for all these things that would affect these fighters. He's a a beautiful soul. But at the end of the day, when I look at this story, I look at this interview and then the interview Francis gave, I want to say after the surreal fight, clearly Francis was felt disrespected by the UFC. And clearly he wanted out. And with his demands, it was clearly him saying, I'm out of here. I mean, look, I'm not trying to, you know, brush my shoulders off here, but you know, last week on the show, I did make a bold prediction. What you said, Francis would be a P- the PFL, right? I said Francis Jones doesn't happen, and Francis uh, ends up in the PFL. So right now, I, I like I didn't think one week later half my bold prediction would already be I right. I know, dude, you're 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 on top of things, man. Now look. I want to see Francis get the bag. I want to see every fighter get the bag. Whether Francis gets that bag from the PFL, um, you know, people have mentioned about does Bellator show in the bag. David Feldman, the man who runs BKFC, has already talked about how they're they're going to make a pitch to him. Um, you know, does he get that boxing bag? Does you know? Does he maybe get a Tyson Fury fight? Does he get a Deontay Wilder fight? I mean, like, look, if I'm Deontay Wilder, I'm looking at this going, hell yeah, this is a fight I want. Give me an MMA fighter that I, I feel doesn't have the boxing skills that that high high elite boxers have. If you're Tyson Fury, why would you not? Um, you know, but it, it's at the end of the day, like it, Dana White's always going to control that narrative. I mean, it, it's just we know the power that he has, and, and that's why I think it's always when he sings of when Dana comes out and says these things. Like, eh, let's hear the other side of that story. Um, I, I thought the, one of the more interesting things is the fact that Francis Ngannou is representing himself, which I'm just going to say Francis may not be the best idea. Yeah, I mean, when you when he talked to Ariel in that interview about how he hadn't downloaded and opened the email, or he hadn't opened the email he got from the UFC, and it's been days, it's like, you probably do need a representative. Um, but yes, when you are the best heavyweight in the world, you need to have someone work, you know, work with you. I feel like the times when we hear about these athletes that represent themselves, 
a lot of times they don't do the best job with their contracts, man. I mean, there are examples in, in other sports. There was the one guy in the NBA who I think tried getting paid out in crypto. And I don't even remember who it was, what his name was. And I don't know. God, I'm just going to. Well, no, no. Odell Beckham Jr. last year with the Rams. Is that how he tried getting paid? No, he did get paid, and, and oh. I remember there being you know when when crypto went went um, south earlier this year, they talked about how much that was really worth. Um, you know, I mentioned this. I, I saw this graphic on uh, Facebook, uh, and this was uh, over there on uh, MMA on Point. UFC champions who have left the UFC. It's only five fighters on this list. The last one was two thousand and four. BJ Penn. So, who are the other guys? Frank? Frank, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Couture, Pulver, Bustamante. When did Couture leave? That, that was, was before... Ni- t- it, it labels as 1998, but it would have been later on that because that was... I, I remember, you know, when that was probably 2008, nine somewhere in there, I want to say. So what about Chris Cyborg? Yeah, well, was no, she she, was she, not? she she wasn't the champion anymore because she lost to Amanda Nunez. Oh, crap, you're right. You're totally right. I, okay. I did. By the way, speaking what? of Chris Cyborg, she had a hilarious tweet yesterday that uh, she was like, hey, uh, hey, Francis, welcome to the club. And it was a, a screenshot of like a Google search of fighters Dana White has blasted. It says it goes. Congrats, Francis Ngannou, on making the list. And um, it's just a screenshot of various articles. One says he didn't want to fight. Dana White claims Dustin Poirier. Dana White claims D- John Jones doesn't want to fight. Dana White, Nick Diaz doesn't want to fight. GSP doesn't want to fight. That's this what I'm is saying. It, it's it's classic Dana White promoter handbook one hundred and one. We we've seen this so many times with Dana White. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. It's kind of falling on deaf ears. Yeah, it, it's well, when when the UFC cannot get a fighter to get to their terms. That is the go-to Dana White. Well, he just doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to. Like, look, it's it, and I saw John Morgan had this tweet. I want to say it was over the weekend, and and to me, it was it was a really spot-on tweet. Like, if you're a promoter wants to get in the Francis Ngannou business, there's no problem promoting that first fight. There'll be a lot of intrigue. But will there be intrigue with Francis Ngannou in fight two, fight three? That was also the other thing I thought was really interesting that Francis Ngannou said. He only wanted a three-fight deal. I, I'm sure that was probably a deal-breaker for the UFC. I feel like that was something that the UFC probably didn't want to happen, but they probably, if it was only a three-fight deal and a lot of money, I think they would have found a compromise. Because realistically, Francis Ngannou might only fight like six more times. I mean, he might fight a lot more. But he also comes across as a guy who may just become like an actor or, or you know, move on because he's 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 man, he, he succeed. Once you succeed at the highest level in this sport, you start looking at what you want to do after this sport. And I think yeah. Francis is in that headspace, you know, um, when I look at what the options are, the most money for Francis, I guess, would have to be. um the boxing fights 
those there are there are there are more of those fights that are interesting for Francis than anything else. Kind of when I look at the MMA heavyweight landscape, and I'm like, well, which non UFC heavyweights do I want to see Francis fight? It's a very short list. I mean, I'm just looking at a Ryan Bader fight, right? That one, okay, that one's interesting to me. There's a couple heavyweights in Bellator where it's kind of interesting. But by and large, when I look at the MMA heavyweight landscape, I do think France is just going to run through these guys with first-round knockout to first-round knockout, which actually is pretty entertaining and uh, sign me up for. It's not like he's going to go out there and have boring decisions. It's going to be an event when he puts these guys away. The last thing I'll say is the place I kind of want to see Francis fight, I just think he would be perfect for it, would be a Ryzen fighting championship. I think with all the pageantry of Ryzen fighting championship and him just taking these freak show fights would be amazing. I thought you were going to say KSW. Well, same, honestly, same concept. Yeah, exactly. Same concepts. <laughs> Yeah, same, same idea, same press. Either one would work. I feel like the reality is I think PFL would be the MMA organization that would offer him the most money. And then the fact that you know he wants to be a fire advocate. We know what Jake Paul is trying to do in MMA. We, we you know Him now being involved in the PFL, I think that would make uh, a lot of sense there. But yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, you, you mentioned about all these crazy stories in MMA. And none of them have to do what's actually happening in the cage. I know. We had a fight night card. No one cares. We have a a pay-per-view the week after, and and it's not a part of the conversation. You know? Let me ask you this. So we're recording this here on Wednesday morning. Tonight at 10 o'clock East Coast time, following AEW, Power Slap debuts. How many MMA websites are going to have a full recap of it? I'm sure. I'm sure the the usual suspects might. I mean, look, uh, it's going to come down to how many clicks that thing gets. If it gets a ton of clicks, yeah, people they're going to constantly be writing stories about Power Slap. Like, I feel like just based on these, you know, promos I've seen on on Instagram and um, you know things I've seen on, on television, I feel like this is just going to be Dana White's ultimate fighter. Like, this is the to me that's all this show is going to be. It, it's going to be just essentially rinse and repeat of what the ultimate fighter is. Yeah, yeah, which will probably work for the first season, um, I think. I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's a big appetite for new reality shows like this. It's been a while since a sports reality like competition show has succeeded at a very high level. The stuff that has worked has just been straight-up documentaries about sports teams like the All or Nothing series on Amazon or Hard Knocks or, you know, stuff pops up. So it's been a while since something like the Ultimate Fighter or the Contender in the world of boxing has succeeded. Um, the amount of promotion for this thing is through the roof. They also have a phenomenal lead-in with AEW. Mm-hmm. So there's room for success. I mean, the biggest thing that's been in the way of the slap league has been the Dana White situation with him slapping his wife twice. That's the biggest threat. It's just hard to watch that show and not think about Dana White slapping his wife. How can you how can you separate the two? And, and that's probably a big reason why you're going to see uh, articles about that. But yeah, it's um, it, it's crazy how much of the stories are outside the cage. I mean, in it like like you know, think about it. We, the the conversations about Francis 
But that news was coupled with the fact that we have a John Jones return date. Yeah. You know, that's a big freaking deal. You know, will that fight happen? No, I think God's probably going to fight somebody else. I mean, I think God's going to fight somebody else in March. I'm sorry. I've, I've been around this game for too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you, you've been around. You know, you did, you know speaking of this, this Power Slap League, you, yeah. you sent me an interesting uh, screenshot, which was of a tweet from Josh Barnett where he quoted a tweet from uh, Sports Illustrated where the, the tweet from Sports Illustrated said, UFC had it right with MMA. Uh, says John Whitham, it says, but a slap fighting league delegitimizes the whole operation, validates old criticism, wrong head as it might have been. And Josh Barnett quoted the tweet and said this. He goes, how ridiculous, how ridiculous is it that state athletic commissions will sanction slap fighting, but not pride rules and legit, not weird total, uh, time allowed in one night one night tournaments ma at large should change to 10 minute first rounds and that is a great point that josh barnett brings up and i think it also shows the power that dana white has in this industry the fact that slap fighting can be approved by a state athletic commission but there's other aspects of mixed martial arts that a lot of people would agree with that have zero chance of ever getting past an athletic commission Absolutely. It's it's crazy. I don't know a lot about slap fighting, but when I look at the commercials, it appears as though the guy just puts himself there and lets you hit him with all force. No, no, no. no. Did you hear Dana White defend this? I saw it. I saw, yes, where he said that in boxing, people get punched 200. Dude, this guy is so full of poop. He's like me after a night at Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't know who's more full of poop, me or Dana. But what a BS quote. What I, the I, hell? Okay, I so my first of knowing about slap fighting was I you, you you'd find you know stuff on Facebook you know people would post these videos and I was like okay cool you know I mean you know you, you see a guy get slapped and at some point one dude just literally falls straight to the ground and there's like a handle over there to essentially catch the dude falling down and but yeah when I heard Dana White say that I'm like. Hold on, that's your defense for this? I, You know, newsflash, boxers, they can block punches. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But that's the way Dana operates is he gaslights you. He says random crap. He says, like, yeah, it's just, it's wild. Is there, there is part, there is part of me. That is intrigued to just turn on this show tonight and just see what it's about. There's a part of me that's intrigued by that. Yeah, you know, and I might watch it too. We'll see. I mean, I'm going to watch AEW tonight. Um, obviously, I watch it every week. Um, and in the wrestling world, we actually had a really bad tragedy uh, last night where yeah, an that, independent yeah. wrestler, yeah, an independent wrestler named Jay Briscoe. Uh, passed away sudden uh, in a car crash. It's an absolute tragedy, and and uh, I think the whole wrestling world is in mourning because him and his brother were part of like the best tag team ever to not get signed by the WWE okay. in the past twenty years. Like just an unbelievable independent wrestling tag team. Uh, see, they seem to be just an amazing person, a great leader. So I'm very interested to see um, AEW tonight because. It, it, the wrestling world's mourning, and I, I feel I just the the you know I just feel like they're going to do him right with the show tonight, 
And uh, so I'll be watching, and I'll probably on my DVR, I'll probably set it for an hour, like to record an hour after. I don't know how long the Slap League show is. Is it 30 minutes or an hour? But uh, I guess I'll uh-huh. give it a watch, too. I guess I'll give it a watch too. We 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 we'll give us something to talk about next week if it's notable. Yeah, Who I mean, knows? I mean, I would think it's ahead. an hour. I would think it's an hour show. I would think. Oh gosh, yeah, that's that's a little too much for me, man. I, I would say do a thirty minute show, okay? Like, like, come on, come on, give me a thirty minute show. But honestly, like when I look at the slap league, I feel like the best place to deliver the slap league would have been on Netflix. I think mm-hmm. if if it had been a 30-minute, 10-episode season that was just all dropped in one sitting, it actually may have had a lot of success, like one of those shows. And it might have success now, but like with that show, The Floor is Lava, stuff like that that appear in the top 10, The Slap League comes across like something that should be on Netflix. But um, yeah, uh, J- Josh Barnett's point is, is well noted. I mean, if you're one FC, you're trying to get your rule set cleared in, 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 the, in this country – and you see the slap league just gets cleared. You just yeah. are pulling your hair out. Yeah, I just uh, so it's called. Uh, I just pulled it up here on the phone. Road to the, it's called Slap Road to the Title. What's it called? Uh, mm-hmm. Power Slap Road to the Title. By the way, I so I, I just I want on my YouTube TV app, and I just search slap. You know what the first thing that comes up? What? Slap her. She's French. What Apparently the hell? It's a movie. Apparently it's a movie. What the hell? That must have came out like before 1970. It, this was re- it was released in 2002. This is the description of this movie. Apparently it's a YouTube movie. In her small town high school in Texas, the popular and gorgeous cheerleader Starla Grady has everything going for her when her family decides to host French foreign exchange student. I'm not going to try to pronounce that name. Uh, she shows her around, introduces her to the cool kids. Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea why you would call. Why would you call a movie slap her? She's French. That's, yeah, that's 2002. I don't know, man. Things. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, oh, it's, it's funny you say that. I was watching this clip of uh jeremy piven and the actor who played uh e on entourage and they were talking they were talking about essentially saying could you portray ari emmanuel in today's tv and get away with it yeah you could because well what i think you would do is every time there's a crisis you just wouldn't say anything so yeah uh the best way to portray Ari Emanuel is just to put the mute button on the television. But to answer your question, no. Entourage oh. could not happen in 2023. Entourage one of my favorite shows of all time. I haven't seen much um, of it, so I got to watch it. Now, when I was watching the UFC event last weekend, I there is something I learned that I did not know. February 4th, you want to stay up and watch the UFC? Yeah, I know. Main card. Main card, 1 a.m. Eastern time from the UFC Apex. Why? So I think this is has more to do with uh, the, uh, what's it, the road to the UFC over in China that they're doing. But yeah, so basically February 4th, you can watch Bellator. Main card on CBS is at 9 p.m. Eastern time. 
And then if you just want to make it a really late night, like this is once again, another example of why living on the West coast is the best coast to be a mixed martial arts fan. I don't know how many, like when I saw it, I was like, damn, how many East coast fans are going to potentially stay up till four in the morning to watch Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. I I'm just looking at this now. So, this is crazy, but I guess it makes sense. So this this fight card was supposed to happen in South Korea, huh? Yeah, in South, South Korea. Yeah. When, yeah. when did it, when when did this get moved? I'm not sure. Do you know, I don't know. Um, interesting. That's very interesting. I can't. I mean, can you? The atmosphere inside the arena is probably going to be so dead because, like, I guess you have a lot of fighters that are were part of this road to the UFC show. So I don't know if they're going to have much local. Uh, family members in attendance. It's going to be the middle of the night. Uh, people get excited for Derek Lewis. Um, damn. Dude, that is so crazy. That I mean, is look, so look, crazy. My weekends are now free. Um, but yeah, I'm not staying up till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning watching this UFC event live. I'll watch it the next day. So they have, uh, I'm looking at this, and they have uh, four Road to the UFC Tournament Finals. So is this show? Is this show on Fight Pass? Road to the UFC. I believe so. I have I have a Fight Pass subscription that I really should cancel. Yeah, it's just a leech on you. I just it's I just, just I I just I you know it's one of those things of when you get that notification about how your subscription has been renewed, you're like, son of a bitch, man! I meant to cancel that. Yeah, I know. I meant to cancel it. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. It's it's like that, man. It it is and. Bypass I, have, I, uh, I have so many streaming subscriptions now. It's it's nuts, dude. I just canceled a subscription to Hulu, Disney, and uh, Hulu. I, Hulu and not Hulu, not Disney. Excuse me, to Hulu. I didn't realize I was subscribing to the t- live TV for this like two years. For two years, I was paying for live TV, so it was like sixty four bucks. How did you not recognize this? I don't really check my credit card history. But now I'm in between jobs because I'm doing some training right now and uh, for twelve for three months and uh, I started I need to buckle my financial belt and so I was like let me look at my credit oh shit seventy six <laughs> what the hell I'm like oh man for yeah. two years I was basically while I had cable I was paying for Hulu it's just one of the I don't know I'm an idiot is what we've learned but uh, yeah I, I want to say one thing about um, the Apex you know. As we move along, we get a pay-per-view this week. Uh, dude, the Apex card, it just really struck me. I'm like, I'm done with this. I don't like this. I, I The lack of crowd noise I, is annoying. Bro, I had the same thought when I was watching. So on Saturday, I had the NFL games on, on the TV, and I had the UFC fights on my iPad. And as I'm, you know, kind of, you know, looking between two, that was like one of my thoughts of like, I'm watching this NFL playoff game in a jam-packed stadium, crazy environment. And then you go over to UFC card and I feel like I'm just watching uh, a stream from a gym, essentially. And it's just like, I I get why the UFC does it, but it's like, man, I I need to see fights in front of fans again. Like, It's it's hard not to watch it and think of COVID, and I want to think of COVID as little as possible. 
Okay, it's it it's been a terror. It's killed so many people. It's affected our lives for years. It's still around. But every time I see a fight in Apex, I just think of COVID, and I just think of man, this is just like the ultimate fighter. Um, it, it's funny. It's like I look at the end of the day, if they're going to stay in the Apex because it's financially prudent to mm-hmm. do so, all I gotta say is it should the UFC should absolutely look and trying to figure out how to get more and more fans in that building and to make it more like, um, I I always compare things to wrestling because it's something I love, but you know, back in the day they would do like those television tapings inside a studio and it wouldn't be a large crowd, but it would be a significant crowd of fans. So I would say making those tickets cheap and getting people in the building just to make (laughs) some effing noise. I know. I know. I just, why why are you saying cheap and UFC tickets? Cause that ain't true. I know, no, I know. I, I would. I'll give you a comparison to what they. Remember when they did the events at the Pearl at the Palms? Yeah, yeah, I went to events. It was a small, nice venue, and it, the one thing is, is there's times when I see fights get um get announced, and I can tell whether they're in front of fans. For example, this morning, woke up, Peter Yan versus Rob Dalishvili. Shocking! It's in front of fans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're they're getting that because they know they need to sell tickets. You know, these heavy, these even some of these main events are just not interesting for these Apex cards. I mean, to be to be real with you, Spivak and um, Lewis doesn't do a damn thing for me. Um, Imavov and Strickland. Okay, that's not fair because um, Strickland was later placement. But But even for that, were you were you all gassed up for gassing the Imavov? No. No, not really. I mean, not really. Uh, but, like hey, even, like, but we can look at UFC fight cards, and without even knowing the location, you can know whether it's in front of fans or not. It's pretty, it's pretty evident here. By the way, speaking of um, February 4th, Bellator 290 that night, uh, coming up here over the next uh, two weeks of the interview edition of the podcast, uh, been uh, talking to some Bellator fighters. I'll be a part of that card. Talked to Jaylon Bates and Chris Gonzalez yesterday. Uh, later on today, I'm talking to Darren Caldwell. Steve Mallory also talking to Jornel Lugo, so you can check those interviews out over the next two weeks leading up to that Bellator 290 car. But, of course, Daniel, this weekend it is UFC 283. Glover and uh, Jamal Hill fighting for the vacant UFC light heavyweight title. I saw his graphic on social media here, uh, last night, which it was talked about how you went uh, two champions for the longest time ever. I think it was like you know six, seven, eight, nine years, whatever it was, between Daniel Cormier and John Jones. And over the last two years, we've had three different UFC light heavyweight champions. But let me let me just start off here. We all know the cost of a UFC pay-per-view has gone up in 2023. Does it affect my decision of how I'm taking in UFC 283? No. For me, it's one one of two things. It's either A, I'm buying it on ESPN Plus and sitting on my couch and, you know, having some you know, some fine quality adult beverages, you know, whether it be a, a Stella or maybe a Modelo. Had a couple of Modellos on, on Monday night, you know, had, had to kind of decompress a little bit. Or I'm going to walk into a sports bar that has this fights are over. But I just, I, I do wonder, does the increasing costs change people's perspective of whether or not they take in this fight card? To be real with you, I don't think so. I don't think it changes it at all. It's not like I think this is fight card is going to get a big viewership number, though. I think this will probably be one of the lower pay-per-views of the entire year. 
to me, there just isn't a sexy fight on here. Um, Moreno whoa, whoa, and Figueroa. Whoa, whoa. Come on, you flyweight hipster. You you are not all down for Moreno Figueroa uh, meeting 100? I actually am excited for it, but that's not a sexy steak. I mean, that's for me. That's a beautiful, I- like, uh, foie gras, you know. Oh, I really appreciate the, the texture, you know, of this uh, flyweight scrap. Uh, but... In terms of in terms of being that juicy steak that's going to get a casual fan interested, I don't think so. And I also feel like Brandon's probably not doing the most press in the world. I wonder why. Um, I mean, maybe he is. I don't know. But no, he probably, no I, he probably I, I can, the amount of press. But I, I can tell you that um, I asked. This was probably about a month or so ago, and I was told that he just wasn't doing much interviews. I, I know he went I on Ariel's show. Um, I did see an interview with Safe Saud that Safe Saud has been working with Bram Moreno leading up to this one. He talked about um, that basically uh, around the beginning of December is when Jason House, uh, who is Bram Moreno's manager, reached out to Safe Saud about you know working with Bram Moreno. Um, and, and Safe said, you know, kind of paraphrasing what he said, and people can check out the interview on the ESPN uh, YouTube channel. He said he's like, look, he goes, I'm not that coach that's just going to dive in. He goes, but. He goes, you know, Brand's a nice guy, and he goes, I came out to Vegas, and, and I worked with them, you know, and, and tested the waters out, and, and we've been working together ever since this. Uh, I was, because uh, someone had kind of alerted me to this, I was looking at Tyson Figueredo. It looks like he's not been at fight ready to get ready for this one. He's been down in Brazil at his own team. He's been at fight ready the past couple of camps, and, and then I did look to see maybe uh, if Eric Albercion had been working with him and looking on, on Eric's Instagram. Of course, Eric is uh, the wrestling coach there at fight ready. Um, it looks like he hasn't been with Iverson Figueroa, so I, I thought that was kind of interesting. By the way, ESPN, you know, because that's typically where I try to get my, my fight card information from. So I'm, I just got the UFC 283 fight card up. We should probably take away that belt from Glover Teixeira because he's not the champion. Oh, it has the belt. Yeah, he's not the has, champion. Has the belt wrapped around around his shoulder? Yeah. Yeah, it needs some quality control. Um, well, he may be the champion after Saturday night. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this card, man. I am. I uh, you know Brazil's been going through some stuff, man. I've been reading some New York Times articles about that, and and so that environment's a little freaky. But otherwise, um. The crowd is probably going to be freaking awesome. I'm excited to to listen to the crowd, bro. I I love UFC cards in Brazil. There's so many great memories. Uh, when I look up and down this card, man, how can you not get excited for it if you're a mixed martial arts fan? First and foremost, the thing that gets my uh, the thing that gets my uh, my 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 uh, my my excitement really high is. Gilbert Burns, seeing him fight again, I just fell in love with the Gilbert in that last fight against Shemaev. And after watching that fight, I was just like, sign me up. This dude has the heart of a warrior. And I'm excited to see the next progression of his career, you know. And so the fight against Neil Magny is exciting. Uh, I'm real pumped for Andrade and Lauren Murphy. I mean, Lauren Murphy looks really good against Misha Tate and Andrade is Looking like she's gearing up for one more championship opportunity. And who knows, maybe this will be it. And for Shogun, I'm not sure if he said this will be his last fight, but it might be. I I believe he said this is his last one. I believe he did. Uh, He kind of deserves the main card treatment, in my opinion. He is literally one of the greatest fighters of all time. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Terrence McKinney. 
should be on the prelims. He should not be on the early prelims. Dude, uh, is- oh, dude I'm glad you brought that up because when I saw this fight card, I'm like, why is McKinney on the early prelims? Get that guy on ABC. Yeah, from the simple point of Terrence is exciting, but honestly, he is probably top 15 or top 20 when it comes to social media presence among UFC fighters. He's a marketing machine. He should be there. He, if, he, if, if this man wants to make money, UFC, put him in a position to make you some money and him some money. Yeah. I mean, like, there, there's another fighter on this card that I'm kind of surprised is not on the ABC portion just because of what his ceiling may be, and that's Jolton Almeida. Now, he is a 10-1 to many favorite against Abdul, Abdul Rahimov, but, like, to me, that was another one that, you know, the, the ABC prelims, I it's kind of weird in a way I, you know, I can see why maybe they, they loaded up with Brazilian fires for that Brazilian car. But like, as I look at when we talk about the non title fights on this card, um, Johnny Walker, Paul Craig, I think is, is a matchup that really does intrigue me. Um, I, that should be exciting. I mean, if you're Johnny Walker, you just want to keep that thing on the feet. You don't want to get to the ground with, with Paul Craig. You know, you mentioned about Andrade and Murphy and you got to imagine if you're Lauren Murphy, you're going to try to make this, uh, a gritty type fight. You don't want to make this into a kickboxing matchup. She's going to utilize her grappling that one. Uh, but this this fight card is just riddled with massive, massive betting favorites. So you got Gilbert Burns is a four and a half to one betting favorite. Jessica Andrade, she's a five to one betting favorite. Jalta Almeida is a ten to one betting favorite. Cody Samen's almost a four to one betting favorite. Uh, Jocelyn Nunez is a five and a half to one betting favorite. That is crazy. That's not something you see very often on a UFC pay per view card at all. Yeah. I wonder. Oh, it's, uh, it's just in general of a UFC event. Yeah, so we'll, we will see an upset. I mean, rarely do we have so many favorites where something crazy doesn't happen. I, I I'm not. I don't. When I look at all those lines, I mean, the one place where we might see the upset. Is probably the Neil Magny over Burns is the one I would look at, and and the reason why I would say that is just because of how good of a fighter Neil Magny is. Yeah, is why I would I would really think hard about it. The second one would probably be Shamil Abdurahimov against Jelton Almeida, only because it's heavyweight mixed martial arts and Shamil's a veteran. <laughs> Uh, but Jelton, yeah, you, you're right. Jelton should be on those early prelims. I mean, those early prelims should be Shogun's fight, Shamil's fight. To, I mean, uh, Jelton's fight, not Shamil's fight, even though Shamil's in it. Uh, t- uh, Terrence, and then you can pick one of the other fights to go along with it. Uh, but yeah, all those look good. I mean, Johnny Walker, um, he started, he righted the ship in that last fight against Ian Kudalaba. We kind of doubted it, but it appears as though he has, and by God, he's got another tough test, but a beatable test in Paul Craig. Um, I think he's probably going to have some success. I think Andrade is probably going to beat Murphy, and I do have Burns against uh, Magny. But the top two fights, man, those are interesting fights. I've gone back and forth. Figueredo, Morana, Hill Teixeira. I'm hyped, man. I'll, let me give you a true-false on the main event. Yes, sir. Win or lose, Saturday night is the final MMA match for Glover to share. Oh, false, 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 false. Wow. False. You're, I'm, if you're going to ride off into the sunset, would there be a potential better way to ride off? You win, regain the UFC light heavyweight title in Brazil if you're Glover to share. 
No, there would not be a better way. But you know what's going to happen after he wins that and he rides off in the sunset? He's going to go to sleep, wake up, and it's going to be another day. And he's going to be like, what in the hell do I want to do? You know what was really good? Being the champion of the effing world. You know what was really good? That payday. You know what was really good? Um, doing the thing I've been doing for the last 20-some years. I'm addicted. I can't stop. I need to do it again. That is why whenever you begin any question prefacing, will this be the last time we <laughs> I'm just going to say false. But because you know, we never believe that R word. Yeah, that's exactly why. Obviously, Glover's been talking about it. Uh, for sure, that's a real possibility that he will announce it. But when it comes to the fact, look, if he's not 75 years old, I'm just going to assume he's going to come back and fight again. I mean, it's as simple as that. The question is, Jason, he's going up against the young gun Jamal Hill, a guy with excellent striking, a phenomenal fighter. Does Glover ride off into the sunset? Do you think he wins the championship? Or will Jamal Hill be the UFC light heavyweight champion? Or will we not have a championship crowned? Will something <laughs> else crazy happen? I mean, look, if, if you're Jamal Hill, you have to keep this fight on the feet. You do not want this to get into a ground matchup. I, I think it's keeping this fight at range is ultimately the, the key for Jamal Hill and not allowing, you know, potentially for Glover to maybe make this a, a fight up against the fence and, and use those short strikes, keeping this at range. But let me ask, like, if you look at Jamal Hill, tell me who, as we sit here on January 18, 2023, who do you classify as his best UFC win? Darko Sosic, Ovin St. Preux, Jimmy Crute, Johnny Walker, Tiago Santos. I would say Johnny Walker, but that's pretty damning. The, the lack of, I would say, top five opponent that he has beaten but the thing is, this fight is very interesting because you can talk yourself into either guy for a litany of reasons. You can look at Jamal Hill and you can point at the quality of competition. But you can also point at the fact that he's so young and he has looked so good. I mean, he looked like a million bucks in that Tiago Santos fight. You can look at Glover. You, all you got to do is go to his age and be like 43 years old. 43 years old, he's going to get in the cage against Jamal Hill, who's in the prime of his life, and he's going to beat this dude. But then you just got to go back and look at Glover's fights recently and be <laughs> like, this guy is a championship-level fighter. I don't know, Jason. I'm talking to you right now. I'll give you my prediction before this podcast is over, but I'm telling you right now, I don't know who I'm going to pick. This is a, This is a fun narrative fight. I just pulled up the UFC rankings. Now, obviously, Tiago Santos, not in the UFC. Um, he'd probably be borderline top 15 because, well, he can't get a win. If you look at who he currently has wins against me, Jamal Hill, and this kind of goes to does he have that champion's pedigree, Johnny Walker would be his best win in terms of rankings right now. Johnny Walker is number 12. Yeah. And Johnny I think, Walker I think, was like that is like that's like very like Usman Nurmagomedov in Bellator. Oh, that's right. He never did fight anybody in top 10. So, yeah. um, but then Jimmy Crute, number 14. It's one of those things of if we asked that question a year ago, uh, a year from now, the answer might be Jimmy Crute. 
Yeah, exactly. It's either Crude or, or or Walker. But when you're talking about the pedigree of, of a championship fight level fighter, this is not there. Uh, the way he's fought, though, has earned him this right. I mean, also, this fight kind of fell in his lap. I mean, this yes. is this is a deal where it's not like his next fight was supposed to be a championship it was, fight. It he was going to be Anthony Smith. Yeah. And the crazy yeah. thing is, they trained together. Uh, Anthony trained with Jamal to help him get ready for this fight. This is so crazy. This light heavyweight stuff is so crazy, man. It, it like, really I, is. Like it's the, the thing with the light heavyweight division is how many times will this title change hands? Uh, let's just see. Let's get a champion crown first, man. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you're, you're throwing this bad mojo out there. That, like we're going to have a no contest on Saturday night or something. It's because it's like, I don't even know what the theory is called, but it's just like when something goes wrong, expect something else to go wrong. And maybe it's called Murphy's law. Uh, that's what it's like with mixed martial arts. Sometimes when things go wrong, the easiest prediction to make is just that something even crazier is going to happen. So, like, when I look at this, I look at the trend, and I'm just like, well, we had we had Yuri get injured. Then we had the situation with uh, Akalayev and Jan. So, clearly, something else crazy is going to happen, right. and they're going to announce a light heavyweight championship opportunity. Uh, until, until We're just going to keep on working our way up until we find out that Shogun's fighting for the light heavyweight championship. And... Uh, He's taking on Andre Arlovsky, who's cutting down to two hundred five. You know that's uh, that's where we're headed. All right, agree, disagree. Two Brazilians walk out as UFC champions on Saturday night. Gosh darn, that's a good one, Jason. And I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree. This is what I tell you. These are, these are my picks, man. These are my picks. Ready for this? All right, all right. Let's hear. Them. Well, actually, Lynn, before I give you my picks, let me ask you, do you agree or disagree with that? Disagree. Okay, okay. So here are my picks. Let's see if we have the same picks, and I think we don't. I think Glover wins the main event. I think he does. I think he's going to bring this fight down to the ground. He's going to make it dirty, and he has that championship experience. I lean Glover in the main event. Oh, gosh, darn. We have the same picks, don't we? So you're you picking Moreno over Figueredo? You know I'm going my guy, Bram Moreno. Oh, dude, he's for sure losing now that we both picked him. I mean, this dude had to change camps because his man, his coach is getting investigated by the FBI. I'm telling you, that's what I can't wait for media day. And how does he answer that question? Yeah. Yeah, he said, he's so good, though. He's such a good fighter. And so is Figgy. I mean, these two guys are eternal rivals. I'm looking forward to those interviews. But I, I'm going to Brandon here. I just I'm, I'm a big believer in him, and and I, I I do think he'll win. But man, I mean the the pre-fight situation is just an absolute dumpster fire. Ah, screw it. I'm switching my pick. I'm going both Brazilians. I'm going Figgy. I'm going Glover. <laughs> it's just the more I think about it, you know, I watch their fights. They fight so close with each yeah. other. But most importantly, the chaos in the pre-fight is too much for me. It's too much for me to, to feel confident picking Moreno. I've probably picked Moreno in all three fights against Figgy. Or fourth. It's going to be the fourth or fifth time they fight. Fourth, fourth. right? Fourth. Yeah, okay. I almost got confused. Uh, but for the first time ever, I'm picking Figueredo to beat Moreno. 
So I'm going both Brazilians, Jason. I'm agreeing with you, which means both America. I mean, well, Brandon's in Mexico, correct? Uh, yes. But one American and one Mexican are going to end up being champions. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at uh, the betting odds on this one. I want to see what the over four and a half rounds is. The over four and a half rounds is minus 162, minus 166. What's the under? Lows minus 155. The under four and a half rounds, you can get anywhere from plus 120 to plus 135. I'm feeling under. I'm feeling under here. Really? I feel like that's a five-round battle. Yeah, I don't know. I feel honestly like we're going to get a first round finish in that fight. As crazy as that sounds, I know they fought three times in a row, and um, or for Dave, for Davy, Davy's fought Brandon three times in a row, and uh, the shortest fight has been round three, their second one. You got a weird feeling we're going to get a, a first round stoppage. I don't know. Don't know about that one, but I just I got a weird feeling that that fight's going to start and uh, somebody's going to go down early. And it's going to be the end of the rivalry. Look, I'm just, I'm just hoping that there might be a local bar that's showing the UFC event on Saturday I'm night. Sure. So, so I don't. I'm ha- sure. It's, it's kind of hit or miss where I live. Um, in terms of you know something that's you know a relatively short Uber ride to, uh, mm-hmm. of whether or not they'll have it. Um, but God knows what that price is going to be after taxes from my board at home. I know, man. I know. Well, I'll, I'll let you. Uh, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to buy it at home, but you know, also like, I'm going to be up in the Austin area, so I'm going to have plenty of options. I think to watch the pay. Yeah, I just yeah, I just went over to the I went over the UFC website and uh, the spot I usually go to right now they are not a confirmed location. So uh, closest spot is five miles from my house. Oh, that's not that bad. No, no, not that bad. Yeah, not it's, that bad. It's, I mean, and yeah. to me, it's. It's always fun watching UFC events at bars because you never know what kind of reaction you're going to get. Yeah, you're totally right. You you learn more, and it's going to be interesting to, to sit in that bar and see what people think of Glover and Hill. These are two guys who I don't think of when it comes to resonating with casual fans. To I, sort of see, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if you walked into a place tonight, you know, to have dinner and, you know, let, let's just say they had, um, AEW on. If you sat there, cause I mean, I think for the most part, you do believe there's a lot of crossover between professional wrestling fans and MMA fans. If you said, do you know who Jamal Hill is? How many people would say yes? Uh, they would probably be like, no, I don't really like her writing. I said, no, Jamal Hill, not Jamel Hill. And they'd be like, oh no, I don't know who Jamal Hill is. So I think, yeah, most people probably wouldn't know uh, who he is. Yeah, I just but, looked at the, yeah, yeah, I just looked at uh, the spot I like to go to on their Facebook page, and uh, yeah, there there is no indication that as of right now they they've got the pay per view. I, um, you know, it's um, well, wait, you know, if if there's not a place you know I want to go to on Saturday night, I'll, I'll sit and watch it at home. Yeah, dude, do you know who's uh, so this week? You know, later today actually, Invicta's running the show, uh, but you know who's fighting on uh, KSW? Do you know who's fighting? And his card this week. I feel like I I got a press release on this recently. Who uh, is he hasn't fought since twenty twenty when he lost in a. Well, he hasn't fought a mixed martial arts since twenty nineteen. Last time we saw this guy compete, according to Tapology, is a bare knuckle match against Hector Lombard. But Kendall Grove will be oh, returning yeah, to yeah, action. Yeah. yeah, I did see. Yeah. I did see that. I also saw that apparently Bob Sapp is doing bare knuckle over like in Thailand or something. 
That just sounds so illegal and dangerous. I mean, Bob Sapp should not be fighting. <laughs> Dude, Bob Sapp has thrown so many fights. He's thrown more fights than an MLB pitcher has thrown pitches in the 90s. I mean, geez. Uh, Bob which, actually, Sapp's... So I just looked at his topology. His last MMA fight was 2018 in Ryzen 13. He won somehow in a decision. He won a three. Oh, but it was a three-minute fight. It was three-minute rounds. Yeah. Bob Sapp. Talk about a guy who's ripe for a documentary. Bob Sapp would be a great documentary. Oh, God, yeah. Bob Sapp. So he is at uh, – this is BK uh, Bare Knuckle Boxing from Thailand on uh, on Saturday. Or Sunday. Maybe I should watch it. I, I would be. There's no way he doesn't lose in eight seconds. This is BKB thirty. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. You Bob can watch. It. You than- you can watch it over on Fight TV. Hey man, I uh, I'm probably not going to pay for it, but maybe uh, some highlights will end up on like the YouTube page or. On Twitter, you, you know how this works in this industry. If something crazy happens, it will be on your Twitter timeline. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, but don't forget, like, Bob Sapp was one of the biggest stars in the sport in 2002, 2003, <laughs> 2004, 20 years ago. Yeah, that, no, that that would, you're, you're right about that would be a fascinating documentary on Bob Sapp. Yeah, I'm just reading his uh, his Wikipedia about his NFL career. He was drafted by the Bears in the third round, 97 draft. Signed mm-hmm. with the Vikings after being released by the Bears. However, his career took a hit after he was suspended by the NFL in 1998 for alleged steroid abuse. <laughs> wow. You don't say. Dude, this is crazy. Afterwards, Sack was left in poverty after being defrauded. And he was resorted to working at a funeral home, moving coffins to make a living. He eventually decided to pursue a career in professional wrestling. And it's, you know, it's all. And then he became a kickboxer, a mixed martial artist. He uh, took his professional wrestling style to mixed martial arts fights where he would um, work them. Uh, yeah. Interesting character. Yeah. that You talked about interesting characters in the sports history. Bob Sapp is uh Definitely got to be up there, but uh, we do appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, rate, review, subscribe, whether you listen to us on audio platforms over there on YouTube. And of course, we're here every Wednesday for the midweek edition of the episode uh, of the podcast. Of course, on Sundays, I have the interview edition, which uh, I did. I did not record until Sunday. So good thing I did not record that till Sunday. So I appreciate you tuning in. Let's go wrap up for this edition of the MMA Report podcast.